Welcome to Business Baby, a small business podcast for pals. Well, 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 it's Sri Dea. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks uh, for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. I'm very excited to chat. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? That is such a good question. Um, and I think I do so much <laughs> that the one thing that links them is that I'm a storyteller, I think. Yes. This is what I'm working with right now. Yes. And so I like to say that one, the way I get actually paid is by telling stories for the government. The way that I tell stories that is more aligned with my passion yes. <laughs> yeah. is that I dance and I sing and I'm rooted in, in Indian classical aesthetic form. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you like kind of what inspired you to go down that path like it was it something like you've always been kind of surrounded by or is it something you felt like you were like actively seeking out feeling inspired yeah so it's um because of my family I was you know um okay this is a really common story for a lot of Indian classical dancers apparently but okay. my mother really wanted to learn dance but was put into music and okay. so when she saw me as a little toddler picking up rhythm and dancing on my own accord uh she was like this girl is going to be a Bharatanatyam dancer so Bharatanatyam is the style of dancing that I do it's okay. rooted in southern India so uh, you know she kind of uh, was like yeah you got to do this and it's like you know she's also um, a music teacher my mom's name is Sandhya Srivatsan um, and she has a school in Brampton uh, and uh, she teaches Indian classical singing and so I've had that in my life since before I even yeah. made it Earthside. Yeah. <laughs> so the exposure has just been there. Um, yeah. My grandmother was also a dancer. She was kind of a child prodigy when she was younger. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> so, to brag, but. <laughs> and she, a wonderful lady. Also the person who I think started teaching me little moves when I was a child, yeah. you know, before, like she was the first person who sparked that interest before I was taken to a guru to learn. So yeah. um, it's just been in my life the entire time, but I would say that it wasn't until um, maybe my, you know, early twenties when I actually started realizing that it, instead of it just being this hobby, this thing on, on the side that I actually really care about it and that it's yeah. helped me bridge these different parts of my identity as a third culture woman. You're saying like, it's so personal with your grandma and your, your mom to make something like this, like the storytelling, I hate to say like your career, cause you're saying passion, but, uh, I'm thinking of you as an entrepreneur. That's why I'm saying mm -hmm. like, do you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, no, I, I actually do believe that most artists are entrepreneurs. <laughs> same. Sometimes people tell me like when they grow up around the thing that inspires them when it's such like a family thing or a personal thing, it can feel very vulnerable to take it to a point where you're like showing it outwardly. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Like, is that something, were you nervous about that or it was just like super natural? I think it was mostly that I had so much to prove yeah. on how I was going to be 
my own individual and not just someone's granddaughter or someone's daughter. Um, And I know like I'm saying this fully knowing that my family might listen to this, Uh, but it's true. I mean, there's um, I've obviously benefited from having, you know, a nurturing family that supports my artistic interests. You know, not everybody has. Yeah, It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So like totally counting my blessings, but at the same time as, you know, most boons are banes. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, it's it's obviously been a journey to navigate a relationship with my mom and figuring out like that has been the journey of my twenties. Is just who am I on my own yeah. without being a people pleaser, without yeah. you know generational trauma, without trying to um you know like trying to forge an identity and my own aesthetic has been the focus but I think now I'm at a point I think even releasing this video yeah. um, poetry in motion just last month um, has allowed me to kind of finally be like I know who I am mm-hmm. and that who I am is subject to change obviously but I'm okay with who I am and this is my worldview <laughs> for yeah. now yeah. And I'm expressing it through art. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. I'm comfortable now. And I don't feel like I have to um, forge a path or, you know, I'm not feeling that like fighters, intense fighter spirit that I used to feel yeah. in my early 20s anymore. I'm just I'm, I'm much more comfortable. <laughs> OK, so I want to hop back to what you were saying about poetry and motion and talk a little bit about that project. Absolutely. So before this project. Had you done other things or was this kind of like something that was new for you? So most of my experience with Indian classical dancing and singing has been stage performance. Okay. Um, And I've been doing that um, for, you know, as long as I can remember. But of course, um, in the Bharatanatyam tradition, at a certain point, your guru, your teacher announces to the world by having you ascend the stage as a solo dancer and that is called an arangetram and that happened for me when I was I think 14 years old so after that I did do a couple of you know full-on shows like in a very traditional way and I've managed to that all in the Toronto area and when I moved to Ottawa I did perform at the Great India Festival I performed a couple of fundraisers Um, but you know it's it's hard establishing yourself from ground up when you come to a new city and you're making these connections and uh and and let's be real Ottawa <laughs> hasn't always been a great soft landing spot for racialized people yeah yeah um and so that there was just like such a learning curve with that um but over its time i basically got uh, more exposure to what was actually available. I met so many incredible artists um, yeah. from different backgrounds, whether that's like racialized backgrounds or like queer folks or um, other, just so many disciplines of art that were people were willing to connect me or help me kind of understand that there are resources for grants. I also got involved with Inner Tongues. So I am on the board um, at Inner Tongues, which is a you know, reading and art series for racialized people in the Ottawa region. And through that, I built more connections. And in the pandemic, I finally sat down and wrote for some grants and I actually got That's money so to do art. Oh. <laughs> That's so amazing. Okay. Thank you. Oh and that's actually how Poetry in Motion happened. It was, it started off as this 
thought I had early on in the pandemic. It was still 2020. And I just could see how everyone was moving towards nature to heal because you couldn't hang out with other people. So you could at least go hug a tree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I totally hugged a tree or two. Um, <laughs> you know, there's something very calming about it. Yeah. Not in like, a, like, I, I know it right now. Someone's probably picturing like a dirty hippie. And I mean, I could be that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I could see how everyone was turning towards nature, mother nature. And I was concerned that what would happen because I knew there was going to be um, not I don't know, like if this pandemic is ever ending or just morphing into another level of endemic, but there was going to be a shift. And I just wondered if humans would understand and remember that what got them through was art, whether it was binge watching a whole bunch of films, which all include many types of art. um, And that it was nature and art that got them through it. So this project, this pitch, that's like what I wrote in the grant was that I was going to use the money to you know kind of do the research into finding this these tamil pieces of tamil literature and then set it to music uh myself and then do choreography for it and that's that's what i did and i wore a lot of hats in the make in the process oh yeah of course yeah so nality was the music producer worked with them on the type of sound that i wanted they'd never worked on a indian classical um piece before um so that was really exciting such an incredible time collaborating with them in the studio and then I also took time to just choreograph and then worked with Mylene Briggs who uh is I I met through In Our Tongues and is a fantastic filmmaker and I just trusted her vision and I had also done the screenplay in the sense that I had narrowed down like what I wanted down to every like second of every minute yeah Uh, (laughs) and that's how we had a very focused filming day in different spots in Ottawa yeah and afterwards you know just working with Mylene on the editing because it's I was also kind of the director I wore a lot of hats (laughs) no it's wild and I feel like anytime you know I definitely grieve the fact that you were kind of like saying like the only way that artists can usually do this kind of thing is either through grants which Mm -hmm. you know you already have to do so much work just to get them and you're Mm -hmm. jumping through hoops just to get like money or I feel like a lot of times and you kind of touched on this like connections through volunteer work or connections through like giving your time and your skills for free and I find it's like really frustrating that there's like not more lucrative ways for artists to be able to create where they're not like doing so much for free or like you're saying, like wearing a hundred hats. Like that's why that's such a good point. Um, and you're totally right. Uh, there is almost like this idea that one has to kind of do their due, like pay yeah. their time in yeah. work, yeah. especially as an artist and especially as an Indian classical performer. Cause yeah. let me tell you, Unfortunately, it's not as though Indian organizations are organizations, cultural. There are so many um, across Canada, but it's not that it's not like they're actually creating environments to make it possible to get paid when you perform for them. If it's a cultural organization, you're doing it for free. And this is this is an endemic. (laughs) This is a real problem. (laughs) And it's just like I feel like we always say like I always see on social media, like we don't work for exposure. But sometimes it's kind of like 
yeah, I don't work for exposure, but if I don't do that, there's literally no opportunities for me. There's no way for me to meet the right people for me to then have the tools to write a good grant. It's true. And I, and I feel like I do agree with that statement, but sometimes I think it gets tossed around a little too freely in the sense of, okay, well, what's my other options? People Mm -hmm. aren't just, especially artists. And you just touched on that. Like there, nobody wants to give their money to artists. It's true. I think it needs to be acknowledged. It's real. Even in 2022, it's so important that you kind of say that. Yes. After all that work, you got the grant, but then just because you have the grant doesn't mean it's going to get easier just because you have some money and honestly probably I don't know how much the grant was but probably not enough money to pay all the time and labor you put into it and your collaborators put into it yeah I I, that's 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 all very true and at the same time you know how how great how wild is it that we're at the same time, it's it's like people are like, oh, wow, you managed to get a grant. It's like, yeah, but like, you know how many times you write a grant yeah. and, and how many people write grants and yeah. you get rejections? You get nothing. You put in so much work. Yeah. yeah. And I feel for all of my friends who are in that position, I feel for everyone who's yeah. a, like, and this is why I'm not a full-time artist, right? Yeah. Like um, someone once said you could either spend 40 hours a week not working on your passion and working your passion in your free time, or you can yeah. spend 40 hours a week worrying about making your ends meet. And this yeah. is the choice that people who are passionate for the arts often have. Yeah. Um. Of course, we have amazing people who manage to work around it, but it's not as though, like, I mean, it's not as though just because people have X number of followers on Instagram or something, yeah. it doesn't translate necessarily to dollars actual in your bank mon- account. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, and, no. and I know that struggle for a lot of my friends and I, you know, we've, those are the two choices. They're tough choices. It's not like there are, there are, there are months that go by Joe that I yeah. am stuck in my work and I feel zero inspiration because yeah. it's not like I have a practice that, like I, whatever my practice is, it's like woven into my week somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And there are going to be weeks where I just don't have the energy. I mean, <laughs> because we have mental illness to worry about too, on top of <laughs> yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. And I just feel like, I think it's also important to acknowledge. I mean, I feel like this is something I'm unlearning all the time as a business owner, or I have to like, like sometimes if I only work four days in a week instead of five, I'll be mm-hmm. like, I didn't work hard enough this week. And I think sometimes we have to actually like zoom back and unlearn like, you know, a full-time artist isn't like more successful or more socially accepted as successful than a part-time artist. Mm -hmm. But we have this standard of like thinking you're only fully successful if you can do it full-time all the time. And I think, you know, that's not really how being creative works. And I think that's something like, you know, if you only want to be artistic a few times a year, but it's what you want, you're an artist. It doesn't have to be a full-time 40 hours, like exactly what you're saying. Yeah. But I, I feel like that's something artists really come up against a lot is like, yeah, but it's not like, it's not real if it's not, you know, 60 hours, 40 hours, you know, like exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying. Yeah. I had that struggle. It it peaked in the pandemic for me because I had like a real, I had a real moment where I'm like, what am I? Like I used to identify <laughs> as an artist, but I now identify as a blob Oof. that has morphed into yeah. a couch. Yeah. I'm the same as <laughs> exact same as that. Yep. 
Yeah. I want to touch on one thing, which is that dance is a very visual art form. Yeah. And not just that, but the art form that I do has been incredibly colonized in the sense that Eurocentric standards of beauty are yeah. definitely applied there, right? So there is inherent fat phobia. Yes. And yeah. my entire life, I have always been slightly chubby person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I love my cheeks. <laughs> I would not give them away. It makes yeah. me, I get carded even today. So I'm proud <laughs> of that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but jokes apart, like it took such a long time to be okay with myself. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of those issues were re-triggered in the pandemic because, I mean, I was very thankful for this body that got me through it. But it took, it's taken a lot of self-work, a lot of yeah. meditation, a lot of self-affirmations and journaling to kind of come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter what my body looks like if I am moving and I am happy I am a good dancer yeah I definitely feel like and that's like a big issue of like representation also obviously like we don't see I don't think it's normal to turn on our television and ever see fat dancers ever and I think perhaps small fat dancers who people are like really applauding a small fat person for being fat and a dancer, but we would never see someone who's like actually fat, if that makes yeah. sense. No, and absolutely. I, I definitely yeah. like have small fat privilege, right? So it's yeah, like yeah. I a hundred percent, you know, agree. Um, it's that I would, you know, then <laughs> how much do you want to bet that I'm probably you know like I'm then going to be heralded as like oh look at her, she's so brave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. and it's wild, like because you see people feel like they feel so um inspired and good about something that is like uh it shouldn't do that you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like this is just (laughs) this is just representation this is just a person living this is what all your friends look like right this I am the just average like femme body in Canada yeah (laughs) yeah it's so rough I can I can definitely imagine I don't know like lack of money lack of representation like where does the inspiration come from to actually keep continuing Like, I feel like you must have to dig so deep. Definitely related to spirituality for me. Okay. Um, These art forms that I am so lucky to learn and are so embedded in my life have spiritual roots in temples um, across India. A lot of art came from spiritual places. And so for me, what I have realized is, I think I even wrote an Instagram post about this, like, now I recognize that it's not that I have to do something to be an artist. Mm. Maybe it's as simple as a songbird, as any bird that just sings on a tree. It's not like it thinks about it. It just yeah. sings. Yeah. And maybe maybe talent is inherent like that. And I don't have to prove things as hard anymore. And once I came to that realization and realizing that maybe this is spiritual expression, you know, art for me. Yeah. And so that's, I think, what, makes me go on now am I am I promising any you know follow-up dance films like (laughs) imminently uh I don't think so I don't know I mean one movie yeah (laughs) I made you a dance film people like how many Um, films do I have to make here yeah (laughs) I would love to do more but I would also really I I do I love this experience of getting to wear all these hats I don't think I would do that again in the future so um, hard would, yeah yeah um I definitely want more collaborators and yeah. and, and that's hopefully in the future uh, but also that requires maybe budgeting differently yeah. so I can actually pay the people yeah. adequately to help me um I, I I think it's there it's just I'm waiting for inspiration but I know inspiration will eventually strike yeah. and when that yeah. happens I will 
you know, work really hard to realize that vision, like I did for Poetry in Motion. It was literally this one moment of like this vision and that's, and then I just like, this has to happen. And then it worked out exactly (laughs) beyond what my vision was. I'm proud of this work. Um, I, I think it's the closest. Someone asked me, um, actually, Brandon Wint, a former Ottawa poet now out in the West Coast, was like, would you say this is close to 100 percent, the closest to 100 percent of who you are as an artist presented in a piece? And I would honestly say yes, this is yeah. the closest to all of me that I am giving yeah. in this project. And I'm I'm so happy it's out there. Yeah, and- that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy. I'm happy that the response has been positive and people who may not have ever heard of Indian classical singing or seen a dance piece are able to feel moved by both the music that I've done for this as well as the story I'm telling through my body. I think that's amazing. I would love for everyone to be aware of these like, you know, ancient art forms, which, um, you know, I'm very privileged to learn because like I think I mentioned a colonized art form the community that the art form belongs to at one point wasn't allowed to perform it it and I definitely have you know a lot of privilege in the Indian social location to be able to dance this art form and I have to acknowledge that every time um and and you know navigating that is obviously a whole thing but I'm happy to navigate it and and get uncomfortable and but still I want for more people to understand this like rich history that I come from and I'm proud of it so this art is a way of sharing that with so many people and I'm I just hope to be continue to do yeah that. it's it's such a beautiful film I I watched it when you first sent it to me but I also watched it just before we talked and it's it's so beautiful the shots are also like it's interesting I wanted to kind of jump into this more um the shots are really beautiful like the POVs like coming in the big tree like everything mm-hmm. is so beautiful And then I also think like, it's really interesting that you said, like, I consider myself a storyteller because I think, yes, the dance is important and all the elements are important, but you know, the aesthetic is very important and the makeup isn't like every part of it is just so beautiful. My God, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I just, because I did do my own makeup and costume. And honestly, when I watch it, I don't think like I think when I watched it, I I don't think I would have been like, oh, this is a dance video. I think mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this like, like exactly what you were saying. Like, this is art. This is like and I think a story. And I think that's like so important because there's like so much going on. I uh, I watched your little um Instagram reel where you kind of talked about some of your inspiration. Um, And I, I can't remember, but you were talking about the scene when you make the fire and you burn yourself and how all these pieces are like being pulled in. And I just think that's like, it's so thoughtful. Like it's so interesting that there's like so many different layers and elements outside of just like, I don't think people see dance and they realize like how much is going into dance. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, and thank you so much for observing that. And yes, I, you know, there's this like with Indian classical work. I mean, the line in that poem has to do with when I, burn my finger I think of like even in that pain I think of the Lord and the way how do I show that through dance I, I I like chose to interpret it yes there's a literal meaning there I did light a lamp to signify the fire but I also mm-hmm. sh- 
showed that it could be like through strife, through difficulty and overcoming that difficulty. I do think we find a oneness and that oneness could be, you know, spiritual. It can be that unity because we all struggle, but it's like how we get up that actually I think is a really beautiful moment. And every single human being knows that feeling. And that to me is like my spirituality, right? So uh, that's what I kind of tried to show. It's that I'm so close to God. I mean, for me, you know, God is just it's it, it's a it's not this like one definition right yeah, so it's like yeah. for me I I chose to show that I, I just I genuinely try to infuse that and I'm so glad you saw that <laughs> I'm so yeah. glad you caught on to it uh, that, yeah. that's what I want to see I, I want for people to know that and I'm also really appreciative of the fact that you could see that there was a lot of yeah. thought that went yeah. into every single layer um yeah. thank you that means so much to, oh, to me of course. <laughs> I mean I mean thank you for making it And now, a word from our sponsor. Veg Ottawa Association. Veg Ottawa is a registered non-for-profit corporation and membership-based organization. Veg Ottawa Association is dedicated to supporting people interested in a plant-based lifestyle. Ever heard of vegans? But what does Veg Ottawa do? Well, they offer a buttload of events, including potlucks, picnics, barbecues, documentaries, guest speakers, you name it. They also provide access to credible resources and peer support related to plant-based lifestyle. We work to make a plant-based lifestyle even more accessible and convenient by working with local and like-minded businesses. Hey, Ray, have you ever heard of veganism? Never in my entire life. Well, now's the time. That's so interesting. <laughs> You've never heard of that working at Little Joe's. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, Ray, what are, uh, speaking of veganism, what are some of your va- favorite vegan spots? Some of my vegan favorite. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite vegan spots in the city? Go. Go. Well, some places I like in Ottawa are Yugi Rolls, obviously. Chickpeas, actually very delicious. Oh, ooga. Uh, I mean, of course, Way's Noodle House. Listen. Listen. Way's Noodle House is all that's ever mat- mattered. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, any advertisement we do will become an advertisement for Way's Noodle House. Yeah. Anyways, visit Veg Ottawa now and find out how a membership can work for you or access some of their free resources and learn more about local businesses offering vegan options. Now, back to the episode. Um, Okay, well, I wanted to hop back to something you said, even though it was like forever ago. So I feel Uh like it's such old news now. But (laughs) um, you kind of said a point that I really relate to. And I think it's kind of like an entrepreneur struggle. So I kind of wanted to just jump to it. Um, You had said that point where you're like, I really liked learning everything and doing everything myself, (laughs) but I would love to be able to pay collaborators to do those roles. And I, I, I relate to that so much because I'm a hundred percent the kind of person who wants to always learn every single task and do it myself. And I think it, it takes a lot of discipline to learn how to be like, I think I would like to outsource some of this work Mm -hmm. and find a way to make it more accessible to like tune into my passion without having to like burn myself out. Um, Yes. Yes. hundred percent. And you know what? You're right. That is 
probably the nexus of where artist and entrepreneur intersects yeah. 100% because I I think if I had to be very very honest with myself yeah it probably has to do with control yes. um I yes Oh my have, god. This is our baby. Yeah. You know, for an entrepreneur, their business, their, you know, idea, their this is their passion. For an, for an artist, this is their passion, this is their expression, this is, yeah. you know, bearing your soul to the public. It's there's overlap there. Yeah. And so f- when it comes to something so personal um and deep, of course, you I think it's very human to want to control yeah. how everything is done. And so in that way I got to learn and see every single part of this, you yeah. know, yeah. um and I mean, it's fun. I think like what I've learned from this is like, okay, what would I absolutely want to do again next time? Totally make the music for me to dance to again. I think that might be like the future of Shree, you know? <laughs> the yeah. future of Shree might be just chilling, having making friends with music producers and yeah. like just making music and sound that I could dance to. That, yeah. that fits with my vision for what I want to dance to. I would again do that for sure. Some of these other hats are thrown our way sometimes yeah. from just necessity yeah. like something has to get done yeah um for example reaching out to people being like hey can you repost this can you yeah. you know reshare this can you talk about this do you have you know a hookup at like a newspaper <laughs> like I don't know just yeah. doing all of that that PR work like how great would it be to just hire someone to do that or social yeah. media marketing yeah. you know but we can't you know with yeah. the budgets we have yeah. <laughs> yeah so some of that is out of necessity but some of it is out of control because at the same time I want to control the narrative I want to be yeah. like hey <laughs> um you know uh it's it's so challenging and at the same time I'm so grateful that I got to do this and feel the pain points because yeah. hopefully in the future I won't replicate them and yeah maybe learn when to let go of some of that yeah. control yeah I think that has to do with um humbling the ego <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I get it uh the control bit is very important for me so I get it <laughs> I think in the last podcast I said I'm not passionate about baking I'm passionate about being in control and that's why I started a business. And I that's so funny because yes, I get it. I like the who does I, I yeah. find it really hard to believe that there's a person out there who's like, please don't ever put me in control of my life. Yeah, that's I know, really like hard. I, hard to believe, but also like maybe envious of the person who's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. it's like, what do you mean uh not having a five-year plan and 10-year plan? Uh, like, I know. I, what is that life like? Couldn't nice. be me. It's nice. It's a nice. <laughs> I don't I mean I think I think either extreme is probably not great maybe somewhere yeah. in the middle where yeah allowing room for flexibility that I think is the big lesson I'm carrying yeah from my life from, from 2022 yeah. um on to 2023 I think it's it's allowing flexibility you know because yeah. yeah. I I also think I've met people and it frustrates me when I meet people who don't have they kind of go where the oceans of the of life take them you know yeah. they're just they're drifting and I've talked to people like that. And it's not that they're actually extremely happy either. I mean, it's envious to us yes. because we're like, control, control. Yeah, it's so true. Tr- it isn't great. <laughs> it's so true. I have a friend who's like that. And they always say to me, like, I can't tell if I'm just like this or if I'm running. And I mm. always think, like, that's so interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's such a – and it's at that point you made of, like, both of us looking at the other one being like, you, you're doing it right. 
all the time people say to me, like, it's so cool. You started a business when you were so young. It's so cool. You knew at 24, but also like at 24, I started working every day all the time when other people who weren't doing it, were just having fun. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, absolutely. And I hundred percent, I think it's really great. I have a business, but like, you know, my body's already burnt out and I just turned 32. You know what I mean? Like there's so many elements of like, yeah, I guess having purpose is good, <laughs> but I don't even know, like, I don't even like to think of work as my purpose. So yeah, it, it's such yeah. a hard, you know, it's, and I'm sure you can relate. like, it's a hard thing to, to straddle. Cause yes, I'm very lucky to have this business. Um, it's, it's so great that I have yeah. a job I like, um, I think I'm just like so frustrated because I'm coming out of like the holiday season and it was really hard. So mm. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. Like, shop oh, wood shop, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, t- totally. And I mean, I, I just want to say like, you know, Lil Joe Berries is such a safe haven for queer folks in Ottawa. And it's like kind of become like an icon or a place where I think people know that maybe they can go yeah. for safety. And I think... Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful and I think it's amazing that you have that legacy but also wanting to say I totally know what that feels like to be like other young people around me are partying having fun I used to while doing my undergrad doing (laughs) economics in University of Waterloo I planned my schedule to make sure I had Fridays off so I could come to Mississauga every weekend for a dance lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And that meant no Friday night partying, no Saturday yeah. night partying. That's just getting homework done and getting back, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's sad because I missed out. I'm sure you feel like you missed yeah. out. We feel yeah. like we missed out. And yes, I've also been through burnout, <laughs> not even at 30 <laughs> yet, but hey, yo, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it catches up with you, but it, I'm also um, grateful because yes. I mean, what we do in our own ways is moving the world somewhere. We're finding yeah. our place and that's yeah. great. Should also make time for rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just had the last three days off and I spent all three days in bed the whole day. And yeah. today is the third day. I started being like, is this wrong? Like, should I have done something? <laughs> like, but no, like I just needed to, to rest, you know, like I needed to fall in and out of sleep for three days. Yeah. And I think that's like, yeah, what you're saying, it's so important. Um, I mean, I wish I didn't get that tired, but <laughs> uh, uh, me too, <laughs> because that's also been me. Um, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally understand. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe it's, it's like one of the, oh my God, I want to sound like a therapist. It's one of those two truths can be true moments, yeah. right? Yes. A hundred legacy is, you know, trying to build a Trying to impact the world in a positive way is a yeah. great thing. At the same time, the people who are driven to impact the world in a positive way are likely burning out. Yes. Or not <laughs> even enjoying no. the, the process. impact they're making. Yeah. yeah. They're just waiting to get to the end goal, but it's not, you know, I, especially for people who are like constantly creating or constantly motivated, like we're all working to the end goal of what we're creating while taking on more tasks. So we're just not going to yes. hit that point. Yeah. And that the I'm realizing the only way to break that for me personally is yeah. scheduling. It's almost like, um, you know, it's like, I, I joke, it's like, I finally made me the passion project. Because yeah. we're yeah. so good at putting that energy out there. And I think started started trying to do that. And I can see a change in the sense that scheduling in time 
to just do nothing. You know, having nothing yeah. in your Google calendar is fine. Yeah. <laughs> like having yeah. a time slot for oh, nothing yeah. is fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also like scheduling in therapy. Yeah. And scheduling in meditation, scheduling yeah. uh, because it's like, you know, we schedule so much for all the things we're doing yeah. at our external focused. And I'm realizing I have to use my Google calendar to help me be better yes. for me. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I feel like that's something I actually after this interview, I want to like be more intentional about. I have yeah. such a hard time. I mean, not to get into like a whole other can of worms, but I feel like like even if I want to read a book. Sometimes I'll spend like an hour thinking about like, yeah, do I want to waste my time reading today? And it's not a waste of time, but I like agonize over the choice sometimes. But I think what you're saying of like scheduling it in, like it's a task, but it's a task for you. I think that's such a, like a beautiful piece. Um, Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that because I'm going to go and do that after. I'm, and like, This is permission to make you. Joe, Joe's passionate project. <laughs> Trying to read a book, apparently. Um, okay, well, we're winding down, but I want to ask before we end. So people can access your art by watching the video, but is there other ways, and not even just for your stuff, but like how would you recommend is the best way for people to support artists? Um, I know that's like a, just a huge question, but just in general, yeah. like, like what are easy ways that people can do maybe like more accessible ways that they can like kind of just support art and, yeah. help, you know, totally. I think, um, well, I definitely, yes, poetry in motion is on YouTube. Um, and you know, type in Shredea poetry in motion, it'll pop up. Um, also following people on social media yeah. and Instagram, I mean, it, it's its own devil, uh, yeah, <laughs> like in a sense, it's a necessary what? evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I think sharing the yeah. work—if if something moves you, sharing it, saving it—you uh, know—indicates to the algorithm that, like, oh, people actually want to see this for yeah. some reason. Um, and then also just passing it along in your own like personal networks. I think that's what you know has helped get eyeballs on this project for me yeah. is just you know sharing it with a few people and being like can you share it to a few people and then yeah. then ask them to share it to people you know just word of mouth yeah. can be sped up through the catalyst of social media yeah so using that and i my um social media handle on instagram is shri shri life and art um so please feel free to follow me yeah. and i love just talking to people and um, educating people and also learning from everyone that I connect with. So come say hi. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And we'll share both the YouTube link and your Instagram in the bio. So if anyone's listening, scroll to the bio and you can find all that info. Um, all right. Well, that's all the questions I have. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Last thoughts, last impressions? Well, just thank you for being you and what you have <laughs> thank um, you. offered the Ottawa community. Um, thank yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And thanks for making time to chat. And also, like, thank you for having a good quality microphone because <laughs> your audio sounds amazing. So thank I you. borrowed my mom's <laughs> mic. <laughs> you took it serious, and I really appreciate that. Um, okay, bye bye. All right, toodles. <laughs> Yeah, so today is the first official day of us being on holiday break and this podcast dropped. So that's kind of exciting. First day of the new year. Oh, oh my gosh. Happy New Year. Wait, yeah. yeah t 
second day. This second is, day of. <laughs> but happy New Year's, anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. Whoa. That's wild. Twenty twenty three. Such, you know, so many good things ahead. I've already been signing checks 2023 for months now. <laughs> so it's not a big deal to me. I've already not been able to keep track of what year we're in. Um, so business as usual. Yeah, except we're off, which is wild. So sweet. What are you doing with your time off? <sighs> I'll be lots of gaming, finally. Gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, I mean, all the anime I've been watching has come to an end, oh. all like all the new anime. So I don't really have anything to watch anymore. And uh, maybe I'll see my parents. Maybe you'll keep watching Survivor with me. No, I've been rewatching some old seasons, and and Ray will do this thing where like in the middle of a season, a random episode, he'll just sit in my room and watch it, no context. <laughs> at all he'll just come in and be like okay and then get up and be done with the entire season and that's something ray's good at doing like he can detach but it's <laughs> the opposite of what i'm good at because then i'm like have to report every episode to him after yeah i'll be like oh you know what happened in this ep-? like i can't I can't quit you when you quit the show, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to watch with someone, but I have a hard time when you don't get deeply invested and it doesn't make you cry and affects you deeply. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just crying about other things, that's all. Like, I'm busy, all chalked, chock-a-block full of other <laughs> issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, for break. What are you doing? I think I'm going to do a hotel night with one of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I am. We've booked it. Wait, I'm not going to a hotel with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the boys on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, we booked a hotel stay and we're going to get pedicures before we go. Uh, and she booked a super, I think she got like the presidential suite or something ridiculous. She used her points and it's definitely like, Mr. President. It's very richy rich. Like, it's more than we need. Are you going to have a bubble bath? Yeah, we might have a bubble bath together. Nice. It's a big tub. And then you'll have, like, a pillow fight later. <laughs> in our robes. In and your, then like, yeah. we're going to lay in the bed with a box of chocolate on our tummies and take one bite of each truffle and yeah. put it back in. Just a classic hangout. Yeah, I'm hoping that there's pay-per-view movies. Uh I just want it to be really, really luxurious. Both of us are very kind of like don't see anyone with COVID. So I think this is going to be like pretty uh, luxurious after, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. So we're closed, but I'm going to go in for a few days sneaky and bring my laptop and just watch rom-coms and just play around with some recipes. But I I keep telling customers that I might be overcommitting a brand new menu. It's pretty wild. Brand new treat menu. You're going to get to the bakery and then like, you're just going to be waiting for inspiration. I should be waiting for- Bye. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Waiting for inspirations. Where you'll just be like rolling out dough, kneading dough. And then there's like flour. Some of the kitchen, make myself a cup (laughs) of cabbage. Yeah. It's going to be like that. Didn't get any of those words. Well, get not to, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I but I won't work that long. No, it's just gonna be like playful days. I think 
the thing is when you run a business and you know i talk about this all the time on the podcast you get so far removed from doing the thing that you set out to do so like if i started as a baker barista like i don't even know how to make most of the drinks on our bar menu someone orders like a peppermint mocha for me i'm like what (laughs) what do we put in those um and the same goes as i don't really play around with recipes or creative baking it's mostly like meeting a demand Mm -hmm. like wholesale baking orders i can't even keep up on that um that being said like we are understaffed now but i'd I'd like to have some time where i'm like kind of connecting again with the thing that brought me to opening a bakery which is baking and connection to comforting foods Mm um i feel like we haven't done that as a business in a while we've just been recycling a lot of Mm-hmm. Out of necessity, recycling a lot of menu items in the sense of like we keep the same winter menu, the same Valentine's menu. Like it's, you know, the classics, which mm-hmm. works for a lot of places. I just, for me, I'm like kind of bored of it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And even just little things like when we introduced the flaky, that was like a game changer for a lot of people. Like so many people say to me, the flaky is the best treat you do. So I feel like, you know, that was the first new thing we had done in a really long time. So I'd love mm-hmm. to just get back in the kitchen and try some stuff. It's so funny to um, hear what the customers think are like the best treats. And then I'll like come in and be like, I don't know, like the other day I came in and I was like, the coffee cake is like the best treat we do, I think. And it's like the probably most like, boring, most boring treat. We <laughs> but uh, for whatever reason, the way it was like you had made it, I was just like, it just looked like I want to eat that. Yeah, you were like, can I have a piece of that? And like, yeah. you, would, you would never. I would never ask you would for any never. treats from the shop. Yeah, it's funny what is perceived as the best. Yeah. I don't know. It's like you, you were saying that donuts are really popular right now. Donuts are very popular. I like even at the end of the night, if there's leftover donuts, you're like, you want them? I'm like, throw them out. Yeah, they're gross. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would bring them for someone, but um, I would like never. Me. Yeah, like you, you eat them. Yeah, but it's. I think when you do like repetitive baking, like what we do, I'm just so sick of everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to try some new recipes because I'm really excited to eat them. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like that with the mayo sometimes. Like, I feel like I go through mm. loving the mayo. And then it just tastes the same. And then I'm like, I don't want it anymore. Yeah. And that's another thing at the shop where people are like, I love this. Like, I, I drink it and I pour it on my body. Me too. And I'm like, it's that's like great. It's like gross to me at this point. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I, that's great. You love it. It's also different, like, days where I get to experiment and no one's coming in to open a shop. So to have to yeah. do open is so nice. It's you like know? funner. That's why I like working mornings. Like, as much as it was hard doing like I did a lot of 3 a.m. and earlier shifts over the holidays. I was doing like, I always said like the night shifts because I come <laughs> in at like 2.30 or yeah. 3. As much as it's really hard to keep that schedule and you feel like really sick, um, I love working alone. Mm-hmm. I love like my shift technically if I start at 3, is supposed to end whatever 8 or 9 hours later is 10 or 11 a.m. Yeah. Like it's wild, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you're just getting there to start your day and I'm like, bye everyone. Like not my problem. So I'd like, I really like being able to like walk away from the day, yeah. mm-hmm. but it comes at a cost. But it's so funny because like even when we have time off, like we have to remember to like move around and do stuff mm-hmm. just cause like what our bodies go through, I think. I mean, speak for yourself. I, I, I'll sit still. <laughs> not me. I'll have to, I mean, <laughs> you know what it's like. I'll be pacing around the house. Yeah. You're like, 
You'll be like Netflix, all the TV, all the streaming services didn't add anything. What are they thinking? Okay, but does anyone notice that the streaming services <laughs> haven't added anything in a long time, and it's especially bad? And I don't know if it's just a conspiracy because they're waiting for the new year to put up all their new shows for like Emmys or some kind of award season thing. But has anyone noticed like all the streaming services aren't adding anything, or is that just me? Maybe I know that's it's like that for the gaming industry because uh, around December they stop. There's not a ton of like big releases because you're at wind down period and you've hit the cutoff for a lot of like award ceremonies. That's why I've been watching Survivor. Sometimes I just get, well, you know what it's like if I can't find a show and I need to be in bed, especially with grandpa on bed rest, like we have to keep him in bed. We have to keep him in bed for four weeks now. (laughs) And we're at least going to have to do for another three weeks. So we, one of us has to be in bed with him or we have to stay around to keep him chill. Because mm-hmm. um, he doesn't know he's supposed to be on bed rest. Well, we keep telling him. Yeah. But. Like, there are times where, like, he'll, like, even if you wake him up, and then he's, like, obviously excited to see you, and then he, like, doesn't know, but he'll go to get off the bed, and he <laughs> he doesn't even jump off. He, like, his body just falls off his, the bed. His, like, legs aren't awake yet. Yeah. And he's still going through treatment, so, like, all his medication makes him groggy. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just. like, equal parts cute and sad. It's adorable, but, yeah. Like, it's just flopping onto the floor, but and he gets up right away, but you're just like, dude, you need to chill. We've already, like, talked about maybe getting rid of our bed frames and just putting mm-hmm. our mattresses on the floor now that his body's a little weaker. I don't know. It's just, it's adorable. Yeah. It's adorable for sure. <laughs> There's, like, one day on my time off. I remember that day I had said to you, it's 4.30 p.m. and Grandpa hasn't gone out of bed yet today. <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. So, because he's on bed rest, because we have to be in bed, or one of us does at least, and there's no shows, what are we supposed to do? read books yeah right yeah right we're not nerds no one has ever <laughs> wanted to curl up with a good book <laughs> on their time <laughs> so i feel like i've just been re-watching so much old survivor yeah. yeah i'm just kidding i know people love reading it's just we just had, it's not for me we just, i don't know we lived with someone once who was so mad that ray was gaming that they went Ray, why don't you try reading a book out of nowhere, like, to start a fight? Yeah. So I feel like since then, we'll never get over. Like, I'll never read a book till I die. In spite of. <laughs> in spite of that person. And there's been lots of books I've been interested in. Yeah. Um. Anyways, that's all for us. Uh, the shop is closed until the 11th. Wednesday the 11th, we reopen. There is rumors that we are going to be opening on Tuesday, starting in February. So... The month of love. The month of love, as we like to call it. Uh, so keep an eye for some hour shifts. Uh, yeah, and that's it. Just uh, we'll miss you while we're closed, but we're also sick of you, so it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, happy new year. Thank you for listening. Remember, you don't need resolutions. That's invented. You're perfect. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Heck yes, you made it to the end of another episode of Business Baby. Big thank you to our season-long sponsor, Veg Ottawa. And don't forget, we have a new episode coming out every second Monday. So stay tuned for that. And if you like this podcast, well, rate, subscribe, review, whatever. Okay, have a great week. Bye-bye now.
Who am I? I'm Kelly Kapoor, the business bitch. <laughs>